Welcome to Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete and I are catching up with Hall of Fame quarterback Fran Tarkenton. Pete, before we chat with Fran, uh, I know the subject uh, right away was going to be the passing uh, of his close personal friend, Sid Hartman. Goodness, a week ago Sunday it happened already, and I, I find myself already picking up the paper going, Where's Sid's column? I thought he'd still be writing one. Uh, the late Dark Star said after Sid passed, his column would keep going for a couple of weeks. I didn't think he was wrong. It's amazing how no matter who it is that you, that you talk to, at what era in Minnesota sports, everybody has Sid. Everybody has a relationship with Sid. And, you know, Fran is a personality, and that's what I love most about him, is that is the way you could just you could just picture yourself in the huddle with him at quarterback the way he talks, the way he leads, and just playing your rear end off for a guy like that. It's just, it, it, it's a leadership quality that very, very few people have, and I, I just love listening to the man talk. Well, I think uh, the interesting part of, of uh, the passing of Sid in the context of the celebration of his life was going back in history, and you go back to you know his growing up in the Depression, uh, what sports were like, his involvement as the general manager of the then Minneapolis Lakers, stuff that just will, will never happen again because of conflict of interest, things that happen like that. But also, I think the important lesson here is how you build up relationships. And I think it serves anybody well, no matter what business you're in. You don't have to be a sports writer, sportscaster. I don't care what business you're in, especially right now. We're living this world, Pete, as you know, where everything is almost done in Zoom. Uh, offices are not open it's really hard to maintain those relationships without being in person. Well, it is. And, and you know, when it, with social media, you talk about things openly nowadays that you, in the back in the day, were reserved for people that you had relationships with. Mm-hmm. And with Sid, it was, it, he just, he had that. He, you knew when you were on the record, you knew when you were off the record. Uh, he, you know, he, took the time to build those things and it started I think with that and it built a trust factor and that trust factor is what got him into the locker rooms it got him onto the fields it got him the the interviews with all the with all the most important players and the stuff that they would talk with him about it's just amazing what they would disclose uh you know to Sid throughout the week but that's built on trust and Sid could build that with a rookie in 1962 or in 1961, excuse me, or with a rookie wide receiver uh, from Marshall in 1998. It didn't matter. Well, speaking of that, that rookie in 1961 is our guest tonight, the Hall of Fame quarterback, Fran Tarkenton. Yes, what a kick it is to have Hall of Fame quarterback Fran Tarkin with us today. And Fran, when someone lives to be 100, I don't know if it's so much of mourning the loss of someone like Sid Hartman as opposed to celebrating his life. And I think back to uh, your first exchange. I think I've heard this story before, but I assume your first exchange with, with Sidney was back in 1961 yes. uh, when the Vikings drafted you and brought you to Minnesota. They did. And here I am living in Athens, Georgia, playing for the University of Georgia Bulldogs. I got drafted by Minnesota Vikings, and, I, and I'm a fan of NFL football, and I don't even know who the Minnesota Vikings are because they weren't. <laughs> you know, I was a Washington Redskins fan. I mean, here's this team that's coming in as a new franchise team, and so I didn't know who they were, what they were, and all of a sudden I get a call from Burt Rose, the general manager, and they want Rip Hawkins and Tommy Mason and I to come up 
And, and Tommy Mason came from Louisiana, LSU guy. Rip Hawk is a second-round draft choice. He came from North Carolina, but lived in right outside of Athens, Georgia. And then me. So we all got on planes. And that was back uh, Northwest Airlines. It was a prop plane, DC-3, 4, 5, or whatever it was. We landed in Minnesota, and here's a Georgia guy getting off. It felt like 100 degrees below zero. I think it might have been 10 degrees below zero. And Tommy Mason from Louisiana didn't even have a jacket. He didn't have a sweater. He had nothing, so he's freezing. So we come down the steps of the airplane, and right at the bottom of the steps, with his microphone out, was Sir Sidney Hartman. And that's the first time I met him. And he interviewed all three of us and uh, didn't think much about it then. But then, you know, I, he and I, he had a lot of great friends, as you know. My great friend, Bobby Knight. My great friend, Bud Grant. From mm-hmm. But Sidney and I had a unbelievably great relationship. And it started that day. And, uh, and then as years went on, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I would, you know, after we played a game and Sid would want to interview me, uh, I would, I would, I would tell him all of our thoughts, the game plan, the whole deal, because I I could do that and knew he wouldn't understand it anyway. (laughs) 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 I never had had a problem with him leaking something to somebody else, which he would never do anyway. But it was fun, so I like giving him the scoops of the of the day, if you will. I mean, Sid had to have been like sixty years old when you first met him. Well, right? let's see. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. No, he was he was forty one years old, probably. You know, wow. at the time, and uh, and of course, you know, we he he came to our practices during the week, and you know, we we always played games on Sid. I mean, he was he was one of the guys, and you know, we would. We were in Green Bay uh, playing the Packers, which we did every year, of course. And we had two buses going from the hotel over to Lambeau Field. And we put Sid in the bus with the veterans. <laughs> and the coaches and the young players had to be in the other bus. And the bus had a bathroom in the back of it. And Sid had to go to the bathroom for some reason. We locked him in, didn't let him out. <laughs> I, I mean, I hear these stories, Fran, and I, I think about today and how um, that that'll never be replicated. Yeah. I mean, people say Sid's one of a kind. Well, it's not just it's Sid, and it's the time, and it's the intimacy that you have as a player with someone who's able to, you know, put those things down and and put them on print and get them to the fans. And it's too it, it's too bad because that connection that Sid yeah. allowed the fans to have with you and with the other players just it's just not around. It doesn't exist anymore. No. And see back, I mean, he was truly a great friend in my last number of years, my kids were in school. So I kept them in Atlanta and I uh, uh, rented a place up at the uh, twin cities during the season. And Sid and I would have dinner together once a week. And, uh, and so, I mean, when, when have you ever done that in your life (laughs) with a member of the press, but we did. And, uh, and and that, that went on for years and years and years and years. Uh, we just liked the company of each other, and and he had such a, a breadth of sports people 
but not sports people. Everybody that came through Minneapolis wanted to meet Sid Hartman or they'd heard of Sid Hartman. And, uh, and, and people, you know, that don't know, didn't know him, they think, well, he's a big personality guy. Well, as you guys know, he wasn't a big personality guy. He was kind of a reserved guy, hardworking guy with that recorder and, and uh, you know, doing his radio shows, showing up at practices and games. He, he connected with the people, but he wasn't a big personality guy. He really wasn't, as you guys know. He, he just was... He was just Sir Sidney Hartman, just a regular guy. And he built relationships, not just with me, but he and Bud, of course, were great friends, Jerry Burns and, and so forth, and the other players. And But he and I had a special special relationship that I cherished all the way till he died at age 100. Fran, uh, we all know that Sid had a single-mindedness to what he did, from going back to maybe his days growing up in the Depression all the way through. Like, I'm going to keep working and working. I'm going to outwork everyone. Are there yep. lessons to be learned, even if you want to, as you know, uh, going from from sports, as long as you participated in the NFL and everything else, to the business world, about staying focused, staying motivated, finding a passion? Because I think a, having a balance in life is also extremely important. Sid didn't. I mean, he, he was pretty much single-minded. But did you learn lessons about having that passion for something? You know, people say, well, find something you can be passionate about. I think it's the other way around. I think Sid... And not unlike me, Mm -hmm. if I get into something today, it's business. Then it was football. I was passionate about winning football games, helping my, my teammates be better, uh, helping me make improvements to make the team be better. And, and Sydney was just why he chose sport. I'm sure he never played sports. He wasn't an athlete. He lived up there. When he lived up there, pro teams weren't up there when he was growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. The, the baseball team came in about probably in the what in the late fifties, middle fifties of the Washington. Well, State. the Twins started in sixty one, same year as the Vikings, and then we came up there and so forth. But but Sid, he loved what he did, but he could have loved anything that he did. But he needed to be with people. He was with people. He built relationships with people. He beat French, had friendships with people. And as you know, we all mocked him. Said, oh, my friend Bobby Knight or my friend <laughs> or my friend Bud Grant. You know, it was always my friend. But he just got involved. And it was not just football. Of course, it was basketball. It was baseball. Uh, it was go for, go for sports and, and biking sports and the baseball sports. But it, it wasn't that he loved the sport. I never got to the fact that he was just a diseased football fan or sports fan. Mm-hmm. He loved the people of sports. And the people of sports, we all have a simple, simple way about us. We might, some of us might be smart and aggressive, but all of us kind of come from humble beginnings and we didn't have a lot of money and we, we were people people that we, we liked the relationships and through that, uh, we, 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 we moved along. And Bud Grant, uh, he, as your head coach, he put you guys in positions to develop those relationships. But he's the most unique human being I've ever known. <laughs> uh, he thinks differently than anybody I've ever seen. Bud just had a way of figuring things out. Bud Grant could figure anything out. He 
he figured out how to go out and hunt and fish, right? <laughs> but he also figured out how to build a football team. Want an inside look into U.S. Bank Stadium on game day? Tune into Vikings pregame all access for an exclusive live stream pregame show providing behind-the-scenes content prior to all Viking home games. Vikings pregame all access airs at 11 a.m. on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, Vikings connected TV, and social media platforms. We'll be back in a moment with more Skull Stories right after this. your chance to virtually meet fan-favorite football heroes all season. CenturyLink has teamed up with your Minnesota Vikings for the Legends Connection Meet and Greet Sweepstakes. To enter, visit vikings.com slash promotions. Now, let's get back to more Skull Stories with Fran Tarkenton. We are probing the mind of Hall of Fame quarterback Fran Tarkenton. Fran, if we could sort of segue to today's game and, uh, and the quarterback position, uh, for those of us uh, who grew up with you here in the Twin Cities, it was always Fran Tarkin and the Scrambler. That was the, that was the ta- tag. That was the, the label you had. Today's game, we're seeing, uh, are we seeing a, a different style of quarterback, whether it be a Kyler Murray uh, or a, a Russell Wilson, guys who are mobile, they use that word, who can throw and run and use their legs. Is that the new wave of quarterbacks you need to win in this league? Well, yeah, and, and I, I, I have aggregated – at least 50 to 75 of my scrambles. And I could put Russell Wilson beside that tape today and me huh. back in the 60s, and you wouldn't know who was different. I would go back and I would twirl around and I'd run out to the right, I'd run back to the left, and all of a sudden I let my receivers buy time and bam, I hit them. And that's what Russell Wilson does. These guys that are mobile today, they're not mobile just to run. They can run and I could run, mm-hmm. but they're buying time to let their receivers get down the field and get open. I I was the first mobile quarterback and I was ridiculed and degraded because you could only play quarterback sitting in the pocket. And mm-hmm. I tell a story. We played Gino Marchetti in the, in the, in the Baltimore Colts in 61. Keep in mind in 61 and the first year of an expansion team, Dallas was an expansion team the year before us. They didn't win a game. And now we're playing and we're playing against John Unitas, mm. Lenny Moore, Raymond Berry, Big Daddy Lipscomb, Gino Marchetti, Ordell Brassi, who had won championships. And we were, you know, we, we were formed by a, one draft and we got to pick three of the bottom six players on the roster of the other teams. So we had nothing. We beat the Bears the first game, but what people don't remember, we played the mighty, mighty Colts, and John Unitas was the quarterback of the world then, and he was a pocket guy, right? That's all it was. We beat him 7-18. I threw for more passes, more touchdowns than he did, and so forth. And after the game, they interviewed Gino Marchetti, who, in my mind, outside of my teammates of Minnesota, he's the greatest defensive end that ever lived. And so during the game, he was – a beast everywhere. And so after the game, they said to Gino, big Italian guy, you know, weighs 6'4", 235, and just bustle. They said, Gino, very quiet guy. What do you think of that Tarkenton kid? 
Ah, they'll kill him. He's running around. You cannot run around like that. They'll kill him. Six years later, Sport Magazine in New York named me the play Offensive Player of the Year. And they said to me, who would you like to introduce you at the banquet? Gino Marchetti was already retired. I said, I want you to get Gino Marchetti. To <laughs> and we were great friends until he died about two or three years ago. Uh, but yes, I mean, I was a freak. My peer, purple people, there's Marshall and Eller and Page will tell you that during that time when I was running around, the Deacon Joneses of the world, they said, tell him to stop running so fast. He's tiring us out. Nobody did that. I was ahead of the time and I got ridiculed. Now I go on and, and people don't realize it was, it was to get my receivers more time to run down the field. John Unitas held the passing records of 40,000 yards, touchdown passes, but that's yards gain. And I came on and I beat his records. And I, I obliterated his wrestlers. Was I a better quarterback than was I a better passing? Not necessarily, but I had the mobility. I threw for 47,000 yards. He threw for 40,000 yards. I threw for 342 touchdown passes. He threw for 300. He played 19 years. I played 18. My record stood for 17 years, the longest tenure of any quarterback in the history of the world. And when, when Dan Marino broke my records, I was getting people calling me, uh, sportscasters, said, we knew you were a scrambler. We had no idea that you set all the passing records. And I did. With the exception of a Tom Brady and a Drew Brees, though, Fran, do you think you need to get one of those guys now as the game evolves to successfully win year after year? Or can you win with a pocket passer? No, I think, I, I think the days of the Tom Brady, Peyton Mannings, Drew Brees only is all is gone. Now Drew Brees obviously could still play, and so can Tom Brady. But you're not going to see that kind of guy anymore. You're going to see the guy that's playing out in Arizona, who's five foot eight. Uh, you're going to see Patrick Mahomes, who's already won a Super Bowl, uh, who was a mobile guy, and and for, because of all that, he wasn't. He probably was the fourth or fifth quarterback drafted. The quarterbacks of the present and the future. Uh, will be quarterbacks that can throw at an NFL level, but they've got to be mobile. And Brady is the last of the Mohicans. So is Drew Brees. That's not going to come back. It's going to be dual threat quarterback. Now, Fran, how, where would you put Aaron Rodgers in that mix? Well, Aaron Rodgers is a dual threat quarterback. Yes, I totally agree. He, is, he has got an amazing arm. But what he does in the pocket, the way he moves and throws off balance, He's always moving. He's got tremendous mobility. And he's arguably been the best quarterback in football for the last five or six years. And I think today he's the best quarterback in football. And, and I'm, 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 I'm apologizing to Tom Brady, but he's <laughs> 43 years old. But the, the skill set of Aaron Rodgers is, is truly amazing. And you talk to your coaches out there trying to – Defending, they'll tell you the same thing. He's the guy they fear the most. We're winding things down here, uh, Fran. Uh, I just want to know, getting back to Sid Hartman, do you have any of those Murray's gift certificates still left? Did you have? Did you have? Did you have a few of those that Sid gave you over the years? Yeah, he he gave <laughs> <laughs> he, he gave he gave me a few of those gift certificates that were given to him. But I know one thing: when we went out to dinner, I had the pleasure of, of, of picking up a lot of checks. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so you bet. It's not, it's, it sounds just like when you go out with Rosie. <laughs> that's, that's it. Well, Fran, we really appreciate your time. It's always good to catch up with you. I uh, I know you, you guess you just had some ankle surgery. You're still scrambling around in your backyard. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've got, I've got some ankle surgery, but it's on my left uh, ankle. I had uh, two broken bones in there. So I'm doing fine, though. I've taken no narcotics, and I can get around. So I'm going to get this boot off of here in about another two weeks. So I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll, well good. noted. All right, guys. Good, good talking Thanks, to you. Thanks, Fred. Always good catching up with you. See you. Take care. Thank you so much. It was great. Well, Pete, uh, story after story with Fred Tarkenden, uh, not just about the the life uh, with Sid Hartman, but uh, everything else. Interesting, con- uh, interesting conversation about the quarterback, the future of quarterbacks as well. So I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Oh, I, I did, and, and he. Um, it's interesting with innovation when it comes to sport. When you're truly innovative, you get mocked and ridiculed quite a bit, and he experienced that as the scrambling quarterback. And let's let's face it, the the league's turned itself on its head. It's all about scrambling, and we're going to see one of the best scramblers uh, in the league in Aaron Rodgers. Well, turn the page. The Vikings at one and five have to find a way. Uh, not getting any easier, that's for sure. Playing a Packer team that probably feels they are they're in line to a really good shot at getting to a Super Bowl this year, as, as things are kind of playing out in the NFC. No, absolutely. And, and you know they they stubbed their toe against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay did some good things against them. They come back against you know Houston Texans team that's struggling as well, and they basically took care of business. That's the that's the scary part about what they did. La, you know the week last weekend was they just came out and and beat the Texans like uh, like it was their job. And and they are uh, in a groove, and mm-hmm. it's up to the Vikings to find a way to disrupt that at home. It's not going to be easy. Well, Pete Bursich, thanks much. Uh, of course, we'll uh, we'll talk to you on game day on Sunday. Sounds good, Mark. Thank you. Well, Fran is always a great guest. It was certainly great to have him share some of those terrific stories about Sid Hartman and then some tonight. Uh, before we go, I wanted to let you know that when you purchase a Vikings yearbook during the month of October, a portion of the proceeds will benefit Daniil Hunter's charity of choice, the Boys and Girls Club. Use the code SCHOOL at www.vikingsyearbook.com. So thanks to Pete, as always, for another great week. And thank you, fans, for tuning in to another episode of Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.